Greetings, mortal denizens of the doomed planet Earth, and welcome to the podcast known as Which is More. I am Xanthor, an interdimensional being born outside the confines of your reality, charged with observing and documenting the many doings of all sentient life throughout the cosmos. As luck would have it, I was sent to watch over your world, and for the first few million years, things were pretty interesting. But then, I'll admit, I got kind of bored and may have stopped paying attention. Now, as you probably already know, your civilization is crumbling. Unfortunately though, I'm still responsible for cataloging your entire cultural legacy, without much time left to do so. Thus, I have enlisted the services of the most generic human being I could find, American man-child Pete Musto, to help me in my quest. Each week, my co-host presents me with two so-called experts who will argue over what is the best example of a given aspect of the human experience, worthy of one of the few spots remaining in the eternal accounting of what it means to be an Earthling. This week, our experts are Violet Gray and Rose Vineshank. Violet is a comedian and podcaster who has appeared on Star's Night Train with Wyatt Cenac. She also co-hosts the comedic tabletop role-playing podcast Laugh Finder, which you can find anywhere you listen to your pods. Rose is a writer and comedian that frequently contributes to the Hard Times satirical news site. She has performed at the DC Improv, DC Comedy Loft, Mogubi's Joke House, and the Benson Ball Comedy Festival. If you enjoy the impassioned squabbling you are about to hear, please subscribe to Which Is More with Pete Musto and Xanthor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us at Which Is More Podcast on Instagram and Which Is More One on Twitter. Now, Please enjoy the only podcast that aims to identify everything about humanity worth saving as the end of the world rapidly approaches. Rose, that cheese stick looks so big compared (laughs) to you. I wish I had a cheese stick that was proportionate the way that one is. <laughs> that, that, well, that's a perfect welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to Which Is More. I'm your host, P. Musto, and our two guests uh, are really already hitting it off. It's Rose Vineshank. Hi, I already love Violet already, so we don't need to hit it off or nothing. Yeah, I mean, not, <laughs> what I mean to say is you're killing it already off the, off the oh. start. <laughs> Um, and Violet Gray. Hey, nice to meet everybody. All right. Um, Jealous of Rose right now. Yeah. You should be. I'm sorry for eating in front of everyone. <laughs> um, it's all right. I'm drinking at 3.30 in the afternoon, so it's all good. Um, well, today is going to be a, a particularly fun debate, I think, because it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty into it. I'm right now I'm wearing a T-shirt of the Muppets. It's the Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. So suffice it to say, I'm a huge fan. Um, but why don't you guys tell me why you think Muppets deserve to be in the lasting record of human civilization? I mean, particularly when you think of oh, like Jim Henson's whole catalog of work, so much good shit. Why the Muppets? I'll go for the simplest answer, that at one point, The Muppet Show was literally the most widely watched show in the world. Mm. At one point, more people have been, were watching The Muppet Show than any other show uh, pretty much throughout history. And so I think that alone is probably a cultural staple, a cultural bullet point in human history. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's important to note that people think of the Muppets as an American thing, but it actually got got its, like, real, really started going in the UK. 
So um, one thing you'll learn today about Muppets, because I've done quite a bit of research on them, uh, <laughs> on the Muppets, didn't realize, realize there was that much backstory. But um, Rose, what do you think? Why, why is why not Sesame Street? Why not Labyrinth or Dark Crystal? <laughs> you see, the answer is quite simple. I like fuzzy things. Mm. But... Beyond that, a Muppet is a litmus test to see if someone is a good person or not. For example, you there's a certain type of person. We all have a a hubris about us, right? Mm, Definitely. So think about think about the type of person who can like acknowledge that there's this horrible little fuzzy thing that has a perspective and an agenda and interact with it just in complete earnest that person's a good person and it's someone that i like and i want to hang out with and if you are starting a new like mankind type situation you're gonna need that muppet to determine who stays and who gets voted off the planet interesting so the muppets will be the arbiters of all that is morally just for humans in perpetuity? That's right. They, they couldn't be any worse than the actual humans who are doing yeah. the job <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. So. yeah, human morality is kind of an all-time low at uh, the current moment. But, you know, actually, you know what? That Scratch that. Maybe not all-time low, but pretty much batting pretty hard for this is a really shitty time period. We're not doing too well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, I'm personally... My favorite Jim Henson thing, though, is Dark Crystal. I love Dark Crystal. You must find the shard to save our world. You Specifically because there are no people in it. I think that, yeah. like, that's... Yes, it's good to see how a person interacts with a uh, Muppet, but I do also just like to see Muppets living in their own kind of, like, ecosystem. You know what I mean? Their ecosystem. Yes. If we're talking about things that Jim Henson did... Uh, I would uh, I would recommend the storyteller mm. across the kingdom of dreams beyond the realm of imagination which is sort of like um, sort of dark fairy tales that Jim Henson did as a TV show mm-hmm. and also if you're in the mood to be thoroughly creeped out look up Jim Henson's old Wilkins coffees commercials okay uh, they're in black and white, and they're basically along the line of Muppet saying, bad things happen to people who don't drink Wilkins coffee. <laughs> so they're, they're thre- the Muppets are threatening in that situation. They're but- always inherently a little threatening. Yeah, that's my true. Favorite, my favorite is Fraggle Rock. Mm. Because it's the Muppets on acid in a cave. It's pretty much like it's <laughs> a great description. Like that um that music video the cure made for I Will Always Love You. Like just a yeah. bunch of weird shit going on in a cave. Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, why don't we eat the work of this smaller civilization? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if they don't eat the work of the smaller civilization, the ecosystem will be destroyed because the doozers grind the radishes, create doozer sticks, and if they don't have something eating them, they will build and build and build, and everything will be destroyed. Yeah, this is this is true. I'll be honest, I did not know any... I did not know Fraggle Rock even had a backstory. I just thought it was just like weird wiggly worm things like no. jamming out. Fraggle Rock, so Jim Henson when writing Fraggle Rock was actually looking for a way to portray how we it, human beings in different classes and different um, cultures tend to really truly believe that we are the only ones who exist. Take the Gorgs, for example, in Fraggle Rock. They were that giant, you know, uh, kingdom of, like, potato-looking things. Mm. And if a Fraggle ran into their garden to try and get a radish or a treat, they would try and squish them or eat them. Um, But they're kind of representing the bourgeoisie. The Mm. Fraggles are kind of representing the middle class. And then the Doozers are representing the working class. And none of them really acknowledge each other 
Well, uh, I mean, it, it's not like, you know, Jim Henson was not any stranger to like adult themes and shit. We'll oh, get into that in a not. second. Um, but yeah, also one quick question, kind of the elephant in the room of Jim Henson creations that had a disturbing element to them. At what point were you guys like thoroughly creeped out by the fact that you could see the outline of David Bowie's penis in Labyrinth? I mean, like, I feel like I watched that movie a bunch of times as a kid and it only like slowly dawned on me what I was seeing as I got older and older, older. Like it was like a magic eye painting that I just had to like focus on long enough to be like, oh, that's his dick. (laughs) Well, you know, if you go to a lot of sci-fi and fantasy conventions, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in like the late nineties, early two thousands, those conventions are full of people who analyze every aspect of a fantasy thing Mm. like captain kirk's hair was parted on the left in episodes one through five but on the right in episodes six through 20 that level Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until i started going to uh fantasy conventions that somebody said labyrinth starring david bowie co-starring david bowie's codpiece and i was like (laughs) wait oh my god yeah it's, I'm surprised he's like no, he's not like knocking things off tables when yeah. he turns around. <laughs> I feel like they had to throw in a little something. Like that came out in the '80s, right? Mm-hmm. They yeah. had to throw out a, a little something for Roxy and Brenda who were watching the movie with their kids. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Just throw him a little bit of David Bowie's penis, <laughs> throw, throw shrouded in like a thin <laughs> layer of lycra or whatever the yeah. fuck those pants were made out of. Um, well, before we go any further, let's uh, define. Our terms here for anybody who was not, you know, a child ever on Earth. <laughs> um, that means, I guess, you, Xanthor, you're probably the only one here that's never heard of the Muppets. Uh, the Muppets are, as according to Wikipedia, an American media franchise that centers on an ensemble cast of puppet characters known for an absurdist, burlesque, and self-referential style of variety sketch comedy. Created by Jim Henson in 1955, they are the namesakes of the Disney-owned media franchise that encompasses television, film, music, and other media associated with the characters. Henson claimed, and then I get for some reason later recanted, that the term Muppet is a blend of the words marionette and puppet. Um, I don't know why he cared what if people thought that was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Um, he didn't want to offend the marionette community. Yeah. The creepy, creepy marionette community. God. Yeah, you don't want to offend them. Yeah, that, they are bloodthirsty. <laughs> you will wake up in strings like it's just. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Muppets, though, originated in the short form television series Sam and Friends, which aired on Washington, D.C.'s NBC station from 1955 to 1961. Um, but then they, you know, they, there were some appearances in advertising. They, they often appeared on Sesame Street or they occasionally appeared on Sesame Street and got celebrity status through the Muppet show from 1976 to 1981, which I believe we were talking about before is kind of like, that's in the UK, I think is when they were like getting their, their popularity, but it has received four primetime Emmy awards and 21 nominations, um, which is wild that like. What was the Muppet Show competing against for the daytime, <laughs> the primetime Emmy Awards in like 1970? I think the Muppets revolutionized something very important that I'm very thankful for, which is making puppets not creepy. Right. <laughs> think about like all the puppets before that. There's like, yeah. I think the the like most recognizable puppet up to that point might have been that creepy doll from that Twilight Zone episode. Talking Tina, I yeah, was about to say. Yeah, that's like probably My name like, is Talking Tina, and I don't forgive you. Yeah. And we went from that <laughs> to the Muppets. I don't forgive you. <laughs> that's a direct uh, quote. What a creepy fucking thing to say. She knows um, what she's about. I like, I respect her. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Great boundaries. <laughs> but uh, during the 1970s and 1980s, the Muppy, the Muppets uh, diversified Muppies. into the Muppy, Muppy. Also, Jim Henson could have been the Muppies. You could have named them the Muppies. They're like upper class Muppets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like an award you give to the best Muppet, which is going to probably have to happen after this show. Oh, wow. Fighting right. words. <laughs> Whoever wins gets the Muppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they started making movies, though, um, including the the Muppet movie in 1979, The Great Muppet Caper, 1981, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, 1984. 
But this next thing I wanted to read, I think goes kind of the heart of why the Muppets are so good is that like Sesame Street is educational, right? Whereas like the Muppets is like just entertaining. Yeah. Correct me if yes. I'm wrong, right? That's correct. Like, 100%. That's like the characters in the Muppets are weirder. They're like a little bit kind of like crazier in a way. Oh, oh they're yeah. completely unhinged. Have yeah. you ever seen Muppets when there's like a catastrophe happening, just like running around? <laughs> like, <laughs> Also, Miss Piggy couldn't just walk onto Sesame Street and start beating everybody's ass. Oh. Like, <laughs> Well, that is a very uh, important thing to say, considering what, what I'm about to read next. Coming from the Saturday paper, this is a, a passage that I thought was kind of interesting. It's, as far as sexually transgressive art creations go, <laughs> Jim Henson's Mrs. Piggy even challenges Dorian Gray. This hot, horny sow whose current puppeteer has described her as one of the most famous drag acts in the business may be innocently beloved by certain children for her karate chops and glamorous outfits, but she was created, as were most of the Muppets, with an adult audience in mind. And in fact, in one episode, she publicly humped ballet dancer Rudolf Nereyev on air, <laughs> which is like, this It's a horny pig who like was on a kid's show. It's like awesome. Well, you know, a pig's orgasm lasts 24 hours, so... <laughs> I mean, I would, too. <laughs> oh, man. Fuck. Uh, Miss Piggy's just, like, coming all the time on Still the show. From, yeah, the day before, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then it's, everything it's, else is just like, oh, oh. It's a, it's a wonder she made it into the show at all. How did she leave her dressing room? Yeah. Uh, I also wasn't, like, smoking a cigarette all the time. Like, ah, fantastic. This whole time, Kermit thought he was putting it down when really it's just that. <laughs> yeah, Kermit's ego must be so big. Yeah. yeah, he's like, that's right. One whole day. She does it for one whole day. And, but like, no, it's that she's a pig. Yeah. And also, I would also argue that Mystery Science Theater 3000 mm-hmm. couldn't exist without Statler and Waldorf. Mm. Mm. Very, that's a very, very excellent point, actually. None of these kids' shows could have. Can I just say one thing going back to the uh, Miss Piggy Kermit the Frog orgasm topic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just a great for- sentence, yeah. by the way. <laughs> uh, Ribbit for her pleasure. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Ribbit for her pleasure. Please, like, put okay, that on a t-shirt. Uh, Rose, you need to make that into a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for who? <laughs> just for the three of us. Right. And also a 14XL for me, Xanthor. <laughs> I'm dead serious when I say people would buy that. Yeah, I 100% would. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> so also Brian Henson, Jim Henson's son, said specifically that his dad had an adult audience in mind when they were making the uh, the Muppets originally. But yeah, going forward, so this is from, comes from the American History Museum. Apparently, the original version of Kermit was made from an old spring coat belonging to Henson's mom and a pair oh. of Henson's blue jeans. It, it, like, I looked at a picture of it. It looks really just like crappy. <laughs> like oh, yeah. The, the yeah. best Muppets are absolute crap. My Like, I love how Cookie Monster is just a towel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it's like a... Uh, towel that like that has never been washed it's like right. a gross it's like a weird growth cookie monster i more even so than oscar the grouch i think just looks kind of nasty yeah and it's like cookie monster could shower yeah but doesn't. <laughs> he just chooses yeah. not to. if if you look at the old wilkins coffee commercials mm-hmm. when he hasn't quite perfected his muppets quite yet yeah uh they look like serial killer muppets that are wearing other muppets faces <laughs> oh my god well some some of the uh like adult applications of muppets uh, i read about in a, in a mental floss article apparently muppets began appearing in sketches on saturday night live's debut season in 19 19- 75 most notably a recurring skit called the land of gorch oh okay <laughs> which uh de- dealt with uh, adult topics like alcohol abuse adultery and drugs but so i'm, I'm wondering so is this jim henson's muppets yeah or this, muppets as a concept this, was is, jim this is jim henson was involved with this um oh wow 
And also, there was a Muppet pilot special called The Muppet Show colon Sex and Violence that aired on ABC in 1975 and was supposed to be a parody of the proliferation of sex and violence on TV. The opening of the show featured guest J.P. Morgan. I don't know if it's that J.P. Morgan, but it says J.P. Morgan looking toward the camera and saying, this is not going to be just another cute puppet show. And the episode had adventures with characters like Sam Eagle and Dr. Teeth putting on a pageant based on the seven deadly sins, which that sounds awesome. I would 100% watch a a Muppet pageant about lust uh, (laughs) and fucking wrath and uh, adultery. Muppets cucking other Muppets? (laughs) That would be fantastic. They need to up the modern version of this. Yeah, like... If Kermit goes around talking about t- how he, like, gives 24-hour orgasms, like... Everyone's going to feel a little insecure. Oh, <laughs> my, Kermit is 100% a cuck. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he lets Miss Piggy fuck whoever she wants, and he just, like, sits outside the dressing room. He's like, all right. He's, he's crying to the faint sounds of Waka Waka coming from the bedroom. <laughs> I wish I could just walk a walk away. <laughs> oh, man. Um, side note, Violet, I found that coffee commercial. I'm just looking at my phone on Google. And yeah, they look like they're made of skin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that um, looks like it was directed by Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> well... According to Factinate, many many Muppets were based on real people. The Swedish chef was said to have been based on Lars Bakeman, a chef who only made one disastrous TV appearance <laughs> in which he, f- he fumbled with his ingredients and mumbled in an unintelligible mix of English and Swedish. So like, like that was like a real thing. <laughs> Also, I love that the fact that like Jim Henson was gonna like I'm gonna immortalize this guy's worst moment. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? That would be like if he put out a Muppet that was just that looked exactly like Michael Richards and just said the N word <laughs> over and over. <laughs> Yo, the Swedish Chef Muppet. I had like a really good idea for a Planned Parenthood commercial <laughs> where it was like this like a young woman and she's like, wow. You know, I don't think I'm ready for a child, but this was so unexpected. I don't think I want to be a mom, but those protesters outside are so scary. You've always been good at giving me advice. What should I do? And then the Swedish chef Muppet pops up and he's just like, Bort! Bort, Wow. That presents an interesting question for me, actually. Can you confirm how Muppets reproduce? Are they like lizards? Do they lay eggs? Or is there an, a fetus inside of a mother Muppet's womb? What, what, what's the whole situation there? My best guess is they go to the spawning grounds, a place that human beings call Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> <laughs> and they get the raw materials and they spend all night watching YouTube videos with a sewing needle in their hand, making a new child. Mm, hot. <laughs> Sexy. That's a, sounds like a, uh, a real fun time. Just a flannel orgy in a yeah. Joanne Fabrics. Um, Don't get me excited. Yeah, Muppet <laughs> pounding sounds a lot like a uh, a singer sewing machine. Well, apparently the hottest, this is not necessarily a Muppet. This is only tangentially related. It's about Elmo, who's a Sesame Street character, but um, I love Elmo. The hottest toy of 2006 was Tickle Me Elmo. The plush toy, which giggled and shook when squeezed, sold over 1 million units in the Christmas season of 2006, provoking a shopping frenzy as parents scrambled to get their hands on the increasingly rare doll. One toy doll sold for a whopping $7,100 in Denver, while in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, 
a Walmart employee sustained a broken rib and a concussion when 3,500 stampeding shoppers trampled him as they scrambled for the store's Tickle Me Elmo supply. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird to find out that the movie Jingle All the Way was like a downplaying of the Tickle Me Elmo. I'm just imagining like being like a Walmart employee, like I need medical attention. And the only thing you're met with is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like also what kind of PTSD does that guy have? You know, that's like they just kept coming and coming. Like yeah. arms and legs flailing. All I could see were Elmo's dead plastic eyes and his evil grin looking up at me. Do you think? Yeah. Like, do you think that that PTSD was dormant until like a year or two ago when Gritty came out? <laughs> <laughs> and then they just started having yeah. relapses? Gritty, like. Totally. I've said this before, but Gritty is my favorite mascot ever he's like oh, yeah. the, he's the he just looks like the one that might stab you so good yeah what what i don't understand is how someone came up with gritty and then a room full of other people thought that was okay <laughs> he's a meth head right also he's a muppet but he's also but yeah. mainly he's, he's hooked a on meth, meth so what we want is a furry orange meth head <laughs> yeah. but with beyonce's hips yeah <laughs> right he's so like voluptuous yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you see there's a female version now? I did called see Called Grittany. Oh. Hmm. It's Grittany, bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, several Muppets have branched out from their acting careers over the years. Uh, Ralph the Dog has released an album of greatest hits. Oh. Um, Wait a minute. When did that happen? That was in 1983. Oh, um, thank God. And released in 94. Why do you say that? Was there... Well, just because Ralph was originally voiced by Henson himself, and that was sort of a, you know, a tradition. And so after Henson died, Ralph went silent. Oh. Um, for, I think, a, at least a really long time. Um, I don't think he even spoke in the 2010 Muppet movie mm. when it was rebooted. Well, that's... Sad. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be creepy to find out that Rolf was doing all of this on his own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just decided not to not to talk, but it wasn't the fact that Jim Henson's dead that he doesn't have a voice anymore. <laughs> he's taken a vow of silence. But apparently, uh, there's some interesting, like, there are, unfortunately, um, some darker aspects to the Muppets that, like, the kind of the behind-the-scene thing that... Um, I mean, it's nothing too major, but it is kind of disappointing. Like, according to this Mental Floss article I read, the set of, the, of 1979's The Muppet Movie wasn't quite as sunny and cheerful as its lead characters. Um, actor Austin Pendleton, who played Max, told the AV Club, it was a very unhappy set because Jim Frawley was very unhappy directing the movie. And I just don't understand, like, how you can be sad making a Muppet movie or, like, how you can be a dickhead making a Muppet movie. I mean, that that was the beginning of that movie. A lot of it was seedy as hell. Like, w wasn't the whole plot? There was a, a guy who owned a frog legs restaurant chasing Kermit to be the mascot so he could, like, sell the body parts of his own species to people to eat them. Yeah. Um, it's dark. Dark. Very, <laughs> very, I mean, also, to your earlier point, though, Rose, uh, it is a litmus test for, like, if you're having a bad time on the set of the Muppets movie, you're a bad person. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, yeah, you're having a, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about grim environments and puppets, because if you've read what the set of ALF was like. <laughs> oh, man. Did you hear about that? No. So, for example, the, the puppeteers for ALF had to be underground. So they had to dig these holes for them so that Alf could move around. Mm -hmm. But the actors weren't allowed to look down. So they basically had to act on the set pretending that there weren't pit traps all over the set. <laughs> you could just and, <laughs> and people had fractured things because they would be walking and then they'd drop into these pits. <laughs> that's, that's fucking hilarious that you could just be like at rehearsal and be like, so I'm going to the grocery. Whoa! Yeah, quite literally. 
And so they were like, the atmosphere was so grim because all of the actors were literally in danger all the time. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh man, I fell into an elf hole. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And people would break things. Yeah. Like parts of their body. Well, very well then. uh, Okay, so... Now, let's time to get into our two choices here that we have to narrow down the wide-ranging cast of the Muppets to the two best. And then from those, choose one to last forever. So, first up, Violet, what first drew you to Sam Eagle out of all the other Muppets? Well, I think... Of all the Muppets, Sam Eagle was the most blatant political statement. Um, I think that Sam Eagle was the sort of precursor to a lot of the stuff that we deal with now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he was ludicrously patriotic. Uh, and this is before people came up with terms like freedom fries. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> And things like that. And also, um, he is the sort of archetypical type A personality. Yes. Uh, And we often want to see the things in entertainment that we are not. Mm -hmm. And if if there was a such thing as a type C personality, I would be that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think Sam Eagle makes some pretty interesting statements. Um, Well, so for those of you who are not as familiar with the entire Muppets cast, Sam Eagle, according to Factinate, is known for his patriotism and his strong moral concerns. He is a frowny faced eagle, blue, like like a powder blue eagle, always has a frown on his face. Um, He functioned as the moral censor of the Muppet show. He vocally disapproved of hijinks and lowbrow culture taking pot shots at Liberace and Alice Cooper, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> among some of the people that he had problems with, um, while also ha- praising the quote-unquote highbrow per- performances of Wayne and Wanda, a singing duo on The Muppet Show, who were tragically never quite able to get through a whole song. I like that he had problems with people. Yeah, like, <laughs> Jesus, I'm calling you out. Uh, also, is it because that Liberace is gay that like they were trying to make a statement that Sam Eagle was homophobic. Like, I think, I think it's, I think Sam Eagle in some ways served the same purpose that Archie Bunker did. Mm -hmm. Um, You know how in Kill Bill, uh, Bill says that Clark Kent is Superman's critique of humanity. Mm -hmm. I think Sam Eagle sort of serves the same purpose. Uh, Sam Eagle is perhaps Jim Henson's critique on those things. And I think that uh, I think that with the type of character that Sam Eagle was perhaps being anti-minority uh, is implied mm-hmm. with that. But, you know, he's supposed to be a dick. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, well, according to Muppet.Fandom.com, uh, <laughs> beginning in the second season, Sam would occasionally deliver editorials on the state of the country and the world lashing out against quote-unquote weirdos and uh, quote-unquote... Uh, Rose, we're, we're, it's over for us. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and also, quote-unquote, namby-pamby conservationists. Oh! So, like, it's funny because he's an eagle, like... <laughs> right. He, he, like, he's act... Uh, not surprisingly, acting against his own against self-interest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is the Cuban preoccupation with always shooting yourself in the foot? Yeah, we got two feet. Uh, <laughs> so when you do it, you got one left. Yeah, I guess. you can ho- you can at least hobble around for a while until you inevitably shoot yourself in the other foot. Um, right. <laughs> maybe you'll grow another one. It also presents an interesting question: If Sam Eagle is an ultra nationalist and extreme patriot, where does he stand on issues such as torture and the use of Chemical agents like Agent Orange. That's that's a good that's a good point. Uh, is uh, is Sam Eagle cool with uh, some like CIA backdoor bullshit? 
I think it depends entirely upon who is doing it to who. Mm -hmm. So just like in the real world, if the United States, so if, uh, if Al Qaeda or someone like that is doing it, then it's proof of an inherently culture, an inherent cultural inferiority. But if the, United States is doing it, then they are quote unquote maintaining freedoms. Mm. So as long as it's in the name of freedom, Sam Eagle is cool with it. He's well, specifically as long as it's in the name of America. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's just water boy. <laughs> That'd be a great to see a clip of Samuel Eagle being like, yes, I believe waterboarding is acceptable. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you turned off the video, you could probably Inter interchange Sam Eagle and Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Sam Eagle maybe has sexually harassed some of the other Muppets. I would not put, <laughs> not put it past him. Not put it past Okay. Uh, so this is funny though. In in episode two hundred five, after a pigs in space episode, Sam announces he had, he disassociates himself with the show. Uh, and then, most notably, in two in episode two hundred six. He rails against nudity only to suddenly become aware that he himself is naked beneath his feathers. <laughs> classic. <laughs> classic. Um, now, uh, one last thing about Sam is that he does not interact with guest stars, apparently, as often as the rest of the cast, but he is featured prominently uh, in many episodes. In one, he throws casually dressed guest star. Again, the ballet dancer that Miss Piggy humped Rudolf Nureyev, she th apparently Sam threw him out of a building in a fit of temper, mistaking him for a bum. So, prime, again, prime example, America just like, get out of here, you homeless piece of trash. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, all right, so Violet, then why do you think Sam deserves recognition as the ultimate Muppet to end all Muppets? Well, I think that... Um uh, if you take his personality into account, uh, don't. He has nothing to contribute <laughs> directly. But I think more uh, what he represents. Um, I think that he that Sam Eagle's presence is indicative of elements that have pretty much always existed in society. So I think that if you were like trying to take a sort of cultural snapshot of the way things are, uh, I think that some of the things that Sam Eagle embodies are extremely relevant. Fair, fair, fair. Um, well then moving on to our, our, the other case in this debate, uh, Muppet that I, I can't actually, it doesn't seem like this Muppet actually has a name. They just refer to him as Menomina. Uh, so what is it first that drew you to Menomina as a Muppet, Rose? Well, I, again, I like fuzzy things. Mm. Um, I liked, uh, <laughs> frankly, I respect the fact that he is completely unhinged. I can relate. <laughs> um, I also like that his sketch was one one sketch. He was only in one thing, which was a musical number where these two pink creatures called the Snoths um, were singing this song that was like do 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 do, and then he would come in when they were trying to do that, and he would create conflict, and he would just go. And they didn't like that, and they tried to stop him, and they couldn't. They failed, because his message, nonsensical as it was, was important enough to him. Mm. And again, I also really like the idea of a very, um, there's something in my eyes just very empowering for me, the idea of a very silly little nonsense thing with its own agenda that is equally nonsensible. Mm -hmm. uh, pushing that agenda f for <laughs> for no discernible reason, but that's you know, and I I like that. Yeah, the <laughs> fact that shit. like this this Muppet's like I'm sure to fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. that is exactly what Menomina means. Yeah. <laughs> 
But he's not... He's not trying to fuck shit up, per se. He's trying to assert himself, his individuality, his... um a thing he wants to do. He wants to do his own dance. He wants mm. to do his own song. You know, he doesn't... In fact, he's kind of trying to help out the Snoths in their song by adding on his own little bit. Mm. And they don't accept it. They don't like it. But he keeps trying anyway. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a, a relatable kind of battle. Mm-hmm. Well, um, for those of you who have not seen this recurring... Actually, because it does, it, it it it's the same bit that appears multiple times um, in the Muppets. But Manamna is, according to Muppet.fandom.com, a purple Muppet with wild orange hair and a furry green tunic, who's most famous for performing the nonsense song Manamna with the Snoats. His vocabulary is essentially limited to saying his own name and scatting. So this is interesting. Manamna made his debut on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1969. So, like, he was a solo act uh, at one point where he sang Manamana for the first time. In a later appearance on the variety show, he played a drummer filling in for a violinist in a string quartet playing Beethoven's minuet in G major. The scripts for that appearance refer to him as Harry for some reason. Well, he is. <laughs> he is, yeah. He is Harry. Um, but not H- it's spelled H-A-R-R-Y. No, <laughs> like, but... Factinate, though, had something interesting to say about this. I don't know if you know. Do you know the origin of the Menomina song? No, I do not. So the beloved tune was has surprisingly adult origins. Originally called Mana Mana, it first appeared in a smutty Italian film titled Sweden, Heaven and Hell. Go on. So this is a so the Menomina song is a cover of this song from this like this dirty movie. Sweet in Heaven and Hell is an Italian Mondo film from 1968 directed by Luigi Scatini. Jeez. Uh, the film <laughs> focuses on different aspects of sexuality in Sweden, such as lesbian nightclubs. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, porn films, <laughs> the swinging lifestyle of married couples. And the sex education of teenagers. The film also examines drug addiction, alcoholism, and suicides in Sweden. So, the Muppets covering a song about <laughs> porn, drug addiction, suicide. Again, Jim, Jim Henson just, you know, being a subversive icon. But, I mean, the Menomina guy, like, clearly is a crust punk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, Sam Eagle so, would not approve. Yeah, no, in fact, <laughs> he's he's the complete opposite of Sam the Eagle. Like Sam Eagle is articulate. Menomina is Menomina. Mm-hmm. You know, the, <laughs> Sam the Eagle is put together and carries himself. Menomina guy, you know, hasn't taken a Muppet shower. He's kind. <laughs> he's completely out there. His he doesn't even have eyeballs. He just has like eye sockets that like <laughs> blink from time to time <laughs> he's also got an underfed pit bull with a bandana around his neck that he uses to beg for uh, anyway uh, that's a this crust. is my dog his name is shit <laughs> <laughs> um, well then Rose why do you think that Menomina is the best of the best because Violet well I Respect that Sam the Eagle is the epitome of American culture. He's a snapshot of the American mindset. I feel like there's like other um, r- room for other people to take that role. But however, the Muppets, because of its iconicness, will need to have a representative that, regardless of you know politicalness just represents the Muppets as the Muppets. Unhinged, ridiculous, uh, crazy, all coming from like a very distinct and apparent um, point of view. And that is Menomina Guy. (laughs) (laughs) Just great that that's what he's called too, in the end. Like, it's not even really a name. (laughs) It's it's such a yin and yang. Like, Sam Eagle has a name. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just it's like so a sound. Yin and yang. Yeah. I also, you know what? I like, I like the emphasis not on who Menomina guy is. Like again, this is a very opposite of Sam the Eagle. 
But um, Manamana guy is just the epitome of what he does, which is mm. Manamana. You know, <laughs> like his what he calls himself is not important. He's just Manamana. Yeah. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we go any further, we're going to have to take a quick break to show a clip of an interview from uh, one famous puppeteer who never reached the fame of Jim Henson, but was still deserving some recognition. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'd say most people didn't understand about Jack's and Jasper's imagination train is I wasn't really very much imaginative about it at all, you know? Those might have been some crazy characters, but secret was that they they weren't really puppets. I mean, those were just animals, and I found and hunted. I mean, I was on a sensory overstimulation excursion to Chile, and, you know, all my iconic characters came from that trip. I mean, Pequod the Clown, Mortuary Mark. So if Marcy has two dates this weekend, one on Friday and one on Saturday, and Saturday is the night of her anniversary... Who is she seeing on Friday? Because it certainly isn't me. I want to get to the bottom of this. We took an oath, Marcy. We took an oath. Ouchasaurus. Well now, children, don't forget that littering is a crime by fine. Meaning, if you don't get caught, it's not really that big of a deal. If there's already trash, like... Everywhere, man. Humans are the biggest trash on the planet. Madeline Albright, Reliabo, Squeebo, the Danish dishwasher, Shitstein, Monzi Ponzi. I just wanted to stop by and say hello, and then I'm legally required to tell you that I'm a sexual predator living in your neighborhood. Ted Cruz. I mean, all of these characters, I found them there, and I'm not happy about this. I'm not proud of it but we engaged in what's called we've heard of big game hunting this is small game hunting so you know you find yourself an anthropomorphic talking frog or you know a ice cream cone that can play the piano and you you set them loose in the flatlands of chile and you hunt them down on a dune buggy with nothing but a crossbow and a net I had to pay extra to take them back alive but i don't know something about that really stuck with me one of the reasons i couldn't stay in the puppet game i mean Good lord. It's about how loud those engines get, and we all know a loud engine makes a wet pussy. Everyone loves a beard in a loud-ass truck. You think Henson got his stuff on the up-and-up? You think there's not a cursed amulet or portal to another world going on there? <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. You don't know puppets like I know puppets. You haven't seen what I've seen. The only strings being pulled are ours. Oh, wow. I, I, I don't understand why he didn't uh, ascend to the level of Jim Henson. That's that's completely <laughs> unfair. That's completely left field there. Yeah. Um, well, so before Xanthar makes his decision, it's time for you guys to just make one last attempt at uh, really duking it out and deciding which of you is right. So, Rose, since you went last last time, you go first. No one wants to hug Sam the Eagle. <laughs> Everyone wants to hug Menomina. Ah, great. Great. No one wants to hug a stuffy, stodgy eagle. Well, you rest your case? <laughs> that's, that's what it sounds like. All right. So then, Violet, uh, what will it be? Final arguments. Why is Sam the Eagle the greatest Muppet there ever was. Okay. Um, If uh, the criteria for cultural icon is hug based, (laughs) (laughs) then I have to concede that point. Uh, Everyone does want to hug Manamana guy and no one would want to hug Sam the Eagle except to set him up for a suplex. But, um, I would say that by other criteria, uh, Sam the Eagle is an icon, again, in a sort of Archie Bunker sort of way. Uh, I do understand that there's a risk that people might take Sam Eagle seriously, 
<laughs> in the way that some people took Archie Bunker seriously. Like, they heard his extremely bigoted point of views and they went, yeah, I'm going to base my entire worldview off of something that was supposed to be a parody. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But um, I think that overall, uh, Sam Eagle, of the two, I mean, you could make arguments for Kermit and Miss Piggy and uh, and Dr. Teeth and so forth. But yeah, overall, of the two, Sam Eagle's the one. Well, Xanthor, what's it going to be then? Enough bickering. <laughs> the Muppet who will outlast all other Muppets shall be... Sam the Eagle! Yes, yeah, that's that's correct. I mean, assholes... Manamana is a great guy, but assholes are eternal. Nice guys finish last. <laughs> <laughs> While I do appreciate the freewheeling spirit of Manamana and the true acceptance of the chaos of existence, I must say that if it comes down to representing humans, Sam the Eagle is the better choice. His self-serving moralizing, hypocrisy, and unwitting self-destruction are far more emblematic of your species. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess he. That is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all. I think we probably all know a lot more people like Sam the Eagle than we do people like Phenomena. Not if you've ever lived in a punk house. Ah, that's yeah. true. Thank you once again for giving legitimacy to our endeavor by committing around an hour of your time that you can never get back. Though in the grand scheme of celestial history, that doesn't even really mean much anyway, does it? For more from Violet, follow her at Chaotic Violet on Instagram, Violet Silver on Twitter, and listen to Laugh Finder. For more from Rose, follow her at Rose underscore Vineshank underscore comedy on Instagram and at rvineshank on Twitter. And look for her hilarious articles at thehardtimes.net. Our theme music was composed by at Yoki Danoff. Our special segment was produced by the Midnight Gardeners League who you should follow at Midnight Gardeners on Instagram and at 12AM Gardeners on Twitter. This episode was produced by my co-host, Pete Musto, who you can follow at TryTheLandCrab on Twitter and at BadassWizard on Instagram. Finally, we humbly request once again that you please subscribe to Which Is More on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating and write a review. Follow us at Which Is More Podcast on Instagram and Which Is More One on Twitter. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for guests or debate topics, please email us at whichismorepodcast at gmail.com. And never give up hope that your favorite things about being human will make the cut and last forever long after you're nothing more than cosmic dust. <laughs> <laughs>